A bada bing bada bam. Welcome to this week's episode of Baking a Mystery. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue. Why does that not sound? I just need to practice it more. I just need to upload more Baking a Mysteries, no? So this is part two of the book, Circe by Madeline Miller. If you haven't listened to part one, go listen to it. If you don't remember, this is the book that I'm trying to shove down your throats with good reason because it is one of my top five favorite books of all time. You just have to either go read it, go listen to it. Beautiful. So in part one, it was an intense dive. Oh, by the way, we are making some black sesame rice krispies. I've never done this before. I even browned my butter ahead of time because the last time I browned my butter, it just took forever. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it again. I think I'm using half the browned butter. I'm just gonna heat it back up, get all that browned goodness at the bottom. Maybe I'll even reach in and grab some more. So all we're gonna do is remelt this, throw some marshmallows in there, and just make some Rice Krispies, but make it black sesame style. So in part one, we did an intense dive into Greek mythology, how the universe came to be, how it all started with primordial deity, deities, and then the Titans were born. Yeah, I remember Gaia and Uranus. Then the Titans, they started to birth more Titans and nymphs and Olympians, and suddenly there was a divide between the Titans and the Olympians. Zeus, the son of Cronus, had raged war against his own father and all of the Titans. A lot of bloodshed. Lasted for ages. The Olympians won. And now Zeus is the king of Olympus and Hera, his sister slash wife, is the queen. <laughs> so the daughter of Helios, the Titan of the Sun, Circe, is kind of like this outcast by all of this. She doesn't really have any powers that she knows of and you're like, oh my god, she's totally gonna get them one day. Like in that moment where she's so stressed out and her life is in danger, suddenly her hands are gonna be blazing with fire and her hairs are gonna stand up and her eyes are gonna turn red. That's it's like called those... Super Saiyan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Goku. <laughs> well, that's that's what's gonna happen to her. She's gonna super Saiyan because nobody does a hero story better than the Greek legends. So she uses her powers with Pharmaca. Oh yeah, Pharmaca. It's Titan witchcraft. So only a select number of titans have the power to essentially be witches. They have to use herbs that have ichor spilled on them. That means the blood of gods. And these magical herbs, if you have the power, you can will it to do things. You could turn water into I'm not gonna say wine because that's like a different story. It's a um, different god. Yeah, it's a different god. <laughs> <laughs> you could turn like my dog into a horse, you know, and ride it around town. Like you could do all of these crazy things. Maybe you could turn men into pigs. I'm gonna tell you where I'm going with this, right? Anyways, Cersei realizes this power when she turns the first mortal man, the first human man, she's immortal by the way, she meets him and she's like, oh my god, I love this man, I gotta have him, he's so good to me. She turns him into a god. She made him a god. She literally made him a man, you know what I mean? Behind a god is a stronger woman, you know that saying? But then he turns around as a god and ignores her, leaves her to marry a beautiful nymph, one that was prettier than Cersei. Like Billie Eilish said, you give an ugly guy a chance, and then what? Exactly. So now Cersei's pissed. She's filled with rage and she's about to go after Scylla, the nymph that stole Glaco's heart. And she's got an idea to transform Scylla into her true form, her true being, her true self. Which is? She doesn't know. 
What do you mean? It's just like a that? spell that you turn whoever it is you're giving it to into your true form. So you know how they say some people are just ugly on the inside, but yeah. pretty on the outside? Well, this spell will essentially turn you ugly on the ins- inside and out. <laughs> so how does she, like, Yes. do the spell? Like- oh, she sprinkles it into her bathtub. Cersei takes some sap from some of the flowers, drops them into Scylla's bath, and wills the flowers to expose Scylla in her true form. So right now she's yeah. already realizing her power. Mm-hmm. And she's already abusing it. I love this girl. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so she puts it into Scylla's bath. And she's like, let her true form be exposed. Let her ugliness be revealed. Sprinkle, sprinkle, salt bay that shit. Cersei had no idea what was going to happen, but she had heard about the incident afterwards. She unfortunately wasn't there to witness it, but Scylla showed up to a family feast as per usual. They're all sitting around, and suddenly, in front of everyone, in front of Glaucos, in front of everybody, all the gods, Scylla had a hideous, ginormous leg, covered in slime, quickly sprouting from her belly. Like, think of from your belly button, just a leg forms, like an actual leg, and it's just sprouting, and it's growing out like it's coming out of a seed. It was terrifying. Then another octopus-like leg burst out next to it, and then another, and then another. Scylla had 12 slimy legs dangling from her waist. Why does she have so many legs? <laughs> she a spider? She's a spider. She's actually a spider? No, but kind oh. of. Her skin turned gray. Her neck began to stretch. And in front of everyone, five more ugly heads sprouted. Each head had a giant mouth of gaping teeth. And all the while, Scylla is screaming. But slowly, those screams were sounding less and less like a cute little nymph and turning into howls, almost growls and barks, and it was so bad. So we gotta throw in the whole bag. Atiga, atiga, atiga. Is it supposed to turn into a sludge or more marshmallowy? So anyways, the story was told over and over again at dinner parties, feasts, torture sessions, everywhere. People were like, did you hear about the nymph Scylla? Yeah. <laughs> we're just gossipers, everybody. Gods, humans, everybody. It's just in the world. Scylla, who at one point had so many friends and lovers and admirers, well now she was nothing but the butt of a joke. A monster. A six-headed beast. Even Glaucos tried to play it off like he was just joking about marrying her. He was like, that was just a joke. I was just f***ing around. Like, I just wanted to get her in my bed, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't know why he's uh, tripping so hard when he was literally just a human yeah. a couple of days ago. Literally a couple days ago. Just yeah. like me. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. He really let it get get to his head, Like, instantly. It's kind of crazy, no? So Cersei is shocked by everything. The fact that it worked, the fact that she did this, the fact that everyone was pretending to hate Scylla now, and also the fact that she felt really bad about what she had done. I mean, she thought about Prometheus, remember, from part one? About how he didn't shy away from his punishment. He was actually really open about it. He was a titan that helped the mortals. He gave them fire. Zeus oh. was really pissed off about it. Yeah. And he told her in his last breath before his eternity of torture, he told her that he told Zeus. You know, it was weird. Sorry, this butter is really creeping me out. He told her that he told Zeus. He wasn't even caught. He fessed up to it. He was open about it. He was a man about it, if you will. Cersei wanted to do the same thing. She returned back home to her father Helios, who is not a forgiving man, who's not really that nice of a dad either. He's the titan of the sun. And she knelt before him and said, Father, have you heard of Scylla? It was me that turned Scylla into a monster. 
Helios was with his brothers and his sisters. So he's with his fellow Titans. These are her uncles. And she said, I used wicked pharmaca to make Glaucos a god, and then I changed Scylla. I was jealous of his love for her, and I wanted to make her ugly, and I did it from a selfish, bitter place, and I will bear the consequences. Helios sat there completely silent. Pharmaca, huh? Yes, the yellow flowers that grow from Kronos spilled blood. I used those and they turned creatures into their truest selves. I dug up a hundred flowers and dropped them into her bath. Helios sat there in silence, and then he let out a yawn. No matter, Cersei, those, pl those flowers have no healing powers anymore. At least not anymore. Zeus and I made sure of that. No, father, I did it. I did it with my own hands. I broke the flowers and I smeared the sap on Glaucos's lip, and he was a god now. My sweet Cersei, he had a pr you had a premonition, which is common in my children. We can see the future. We can see the fate. It was Glaucos's fate to be changed at the moment, and you saw that. The herbs did nothing. Think about it, daughter. If mortals could be made into gods so easily, would not every goddess or nymph feed them to her favorite? Mm -hmm. And would not half the nymphs be changed into monsters? You are not the first jealous girl in these halls. What a mean dude. Honestly. Huh, so he just doesn't buy it. Yeah, he also thinks that Cersei is his weakest kid, you know? Hey... I don't like what you're doing. I don't like the color. Why are they like... This baking part of this series is turning into more of a... Attempt. There was an attempt. That's what it is. Wow, that is so weird. Keep stirring until there's no visible butter pulling in the pan. Turn it off and throw in everything. Salt, vanilla, extract... Okay, so we're throwing in the salt. We're throwing in the vanilla extract and then the black sesame seeds. Wow, beautiful. It's making a weird noise. This looks what like is that? it's black sesame it's paste. It's like potion. It looks like um black bean sauce. It better be good. Stir until completely combined. No, it should <gasps> it's be like It's looking so nice now. <laughs> wow. That okay. much? Yeah. Oh yeah, all of it, all of it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's it's beautiful. Cool. Oh my god, that's how you make rice crispy. Now, look at my boobies while I put this into the thing. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Okay, stick it in, keep pressing down. You like rice crispy? I love rice krispies. <laughs> that's like a grandma snack. <laughs> no, it's not. That's like my grandma's favorite. <laughs> no, it's a young people snack. Wow, it's beautiful. So it looks like this now. So Helios is just accusing her of just being a jealous girl. Cersei's uncles are starting to laugh at her, kind of smirk at her, and she's arguing, but I'm the only one that knows where these flowers are. And Helios is starting to get mad. At first, he thought that this was some sort of lame thing that she was doing, but now, now she's talking back in front of his brothers and sisters. How is he a titan if his teenage daughter can't even be under control? I'm just kidding. She's like fucking 300 years old. So he starts screaming, how dare you contradict me? You, my daughter, who cannot even light a single flame or call on one drop of water, worst of all my children, Faded and broken, I cannot even pay a husband to take you. Since you were born, I have pitied you, and I have allowed you license, and yet you grow disobedient and proud. You want me to hate you more? 
Cersei's skin was boiling. I mean, she felt pain, actual pain. But what could she do about this? She fell to her knees and sobbed, and she said, Forgive me, father. I was wrong to believe such a thing. And her uncle broke the silence with, Helios, you have the strangest children. <laughs> it is Percy's fault, though, right? All the ones before hers were fine. So that night, Cersei lay there crying till she had mustered together enough strength to go on a walk on the beach. The beach that she once walked with her brother Aedes and then later with, well, whom she thought was going to be her friend and then husband, Glaucos. Now, gossip travels fast amongst immortals. I mean, they have nothing better to do. They're alive forever. They want to know all the tea. I feel like they even have their, like, tea-spilling YouTube pages. And gossip just never gets old. So this wild story that Cersei pretended to have powers, she embarrassed herself in front of her father and his brothers, it made it everywhere, including to a far kingdom where her brother Aedes was residing. Her brother, the one who taught her about pharmaca, he made his way back home to Helios, and he stood in front of his father and said, I have come because I have heard of Scylla's transformation, as well as Glaucos, at the hands of Cersei's. Helios rolled his eyes. No, at fate's hands. I tell you, Cersei has no such power. Father, you are mistaken. In my kingdom, I have done such things and more. I have called milk out of the earth, bewitched men's senses, shaped warriors from dust. I have summoned dragons to draw my chariot. I have said charms that veil the sky with black and brewed potions that raise the dead. If anybody else said this, it might have sounded like Looney Tunes, like you're being goofy. But Aedes was convincing. He just wasn't the one to tell lies. He just wasn't like one of those people. It was a gift, he said. To draw out these powers, it's called pharmaca, and I'm not the only one possessing of such powers. In Crete, Pasiphia, our sister, she rules with her potions, and in Babylon, our brother conjures souls into flesh again. Circe is the last and has powers as well. Helios was listening, but he was still a little bit skeptical. Aedes pulled out a small pot, and there inside was this thick liquid. He grazed the liquid with his thumb and placed it on Circe's face. Her skin felt like it was on fire. He had blistered her. It was like peeling off her face. And in a moment, with 80s whispers, her skin was reborn. Now, she does heal quickly because she is a god, but this is on a new level. Like, even Helios can't heal that well. So she has power? So he whispered. Oh, he was healing yes. her. Yes. And father, these are, these are the least of my powers. They are drawn from the earth itself and are not bound by the normal laws of divinity. Helios was speechless. He was also kind of scared. Listen, he's a big tough guy, daylight or whatever, son of the fucking titan of the sun, but Zeus was not to be reckoned with. What is Zeus going to think when he finds out that Helios' kids are doing the absolute most? So all of his kids have this power? Yeah, just the one with Percy. He's got oh, a bunch of kids, but just the, like this wife. So four so kids. So four kids. Oh, two daughters he, and so two sons. So it seems like these four are super powerful. Yes, but I mean, there are other, there's more powerful people out there for sure. Like these are not the ultimate four for oh, sure. Okay. They're just like uh, doing their own thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Helios had to go and he had to suck Zeus's dick and counsel with the gods to see what are we going to do about this? Circe is finally alone with Aedes and this is the first time she's seen him since he got his own kingdom. And she's like, I need you to teach me how to heal and do all these things, like you just did to my face. Sorcery can't be taught. You find it in yourself or you do not. Well, how long have you known that you could do such things? 
since I was born. But I had to wait till I was out of father's eye to do it. What if the Olympians try to take your spells from you? I think they cannot, whatever they try. As I said, Pharmaca is not bound by the usual limits of gods. And you think, you think I can do such things like you, Aedes? No. <laughs> I'm the strongest of the four of us, but you do show a taste for transformation. Cersei thought back to Scylla. I mean, that made sense. She honestly did feel guilty about what she did. And Aedes noticed, and he said, listen, sister, don't feel guilty. Making her a monster is better than making her an ugly nymph which is what most others would do. Even the most beautiful nymph is largely useless, and an ugly one would be nothing. Less than nothing. She would never marry or produce children. She would be a burden to her family, a stain upon the face of the world. She would just have to live in the shadows, scorned and reviled. But a monster, she always has her place. She may have all the glory her teeth can snatch. She will not be loved for it, but she won't be constrained either. So whatever foolish sorrow and guilt you have, forget it. I think you might have improved her life, honestly. This guy's raw. Yeah, but it was honestly such a deep quote, no? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It's given me very much Blair Waldorf. I don't need them to love me. I need them to fear me. Anyways, Cersei did not feel better. They waited with anxiety until their father Helios came back, and he had a verdict from Zeus himself, the king of Olympus. He agreed. That this is something new. This is something new that they haven't seen in other gods and titans so far. And these powers are unlike any others. He also agrees that they grow from the four children that he had with nymph Percy. And for a second, Percy, sitting there with her amber beads, she swells with pride and she looks around. Did you hear that, sisters? Did you hear that, fellow nymphs? I created something new that came out of my vagina, not yours. She was so happy, okay? Now, because Helios went on to say, we have all agreed as well that these powers present no immediate danger. My son lives beyond our boundaries and he is no threat. He is in Babylon. Pasiphia's husband is the son of Zeus and he will make sure she is held in her proper place. Aedes can keep his kingdom as long as he agrees to be watched. And each of them has sworn that their power stumbled onto them and they did not look out or seek them. All of them except one. Circe, you were all here when she confessed that she sought out her powers. She was warned to stay away from Pharmaca, from her grandmother, yet she disobeyed. She defied my commands and contradicted my authority. She has turned her poisons against her own kind and committed other treacheries as well. She is a disgrace to our name, and it is agreed with Zeus that for this, she must be punished. She Jeez. will be exiled to a deserted island where she can do no more harm. She leaves tomorrow. Wait, what? What did she do? She went out and looked for these powers, and she used it against a fellow nymph, a divine being. Wow, what a father. Yeah, what a father. Now, Percy wasn't even sad about the fact that her daughter was being exiled. She was still puffing her chest with pride that she created these powerful beings. Until Helios went on to say, One more thing. As I noted, it's clear that the source of this new power comes from my union with Percy. And she looked around. Everyone stared at her with envy. So it is agreed by me and Zeus that I will sire no more children with her. And with that, a deafening scream. Percy fell to the ground, sobbing. Circe had never seen her mother cry before. This was the first time. Percy did not cry for her, for her exile, but rather that she couldn't make a child that would finally give her that seat in Olympus. 
Why are these guys so dramatic? Yeah. They're so dramatic. It's like I guess when you live forever, imagine life with no drama forever. Forever. No drama? Forever. There was a lot of drama, it seems like. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe they need to make it extra dramatic. It's been 300 years. That's what I'm wondering. Like, what age do you get to a point? I mean, I don't think in a human lifetime, maybe 90. When are you just like, hey, that was really fun and all, but I'm like really over sex. Like, I'm never gonna do it again. It's just, I'm too tired. I can't, my back hurts. Like, what's the age? It's gotta be at least like 250, right? These people are living for thousands of when years. When you're over sex? Yeah, but they're like thousands of years old just going at it still. Yeah. Non-stop, all day, every day. Get I guess if their stamina is still good, maybe you don't. Because they don't have back pain. That's true. <laughs> so Cersei goes back to her room feeling powerless and helpless and lonely. 80s, her brother tries to comfort her. I mean, he's trying to say, it could have been much, much worse, you know? I heard Zeus wanted to make an example of you. But of course, father can only allow so much license. So saying Helios is actually a really strong titan. So he can only let Zeus do so much before it gets to his own ego. Mm. Before he's like, yeah, you better shut up now. You're not mm. doing that to my daughter. Mm. You know, and it's not because he cares about his daughter, Cersei. It's for his own ego. So mm. Cersei says, I suppose I should listen to you next time and just deny everything and just lie. Yeah, Cersei, that is how it works. I tell father that my sorcery was an accident. He pretends to believe me, and Zeus pretends to believe him, and the world is in balance. It's your own fault for confessing. What? I will, I will never know why you did that. I'll never understand. And he walked off. The next day, Helio scooped up Cersei, whisked her away to exile, and as soon as her foot... foot one foot touched the ground, the grass of the island. She looked behind her, and her dad was gone. <laughs> he left. He didn't even say goodbye. Nothing. She was completely alone. She looked around. The island wasn't too big. I mean, it didn't feel super tight either. There were nice sprawling meadows, a few hills. She could see a forest in the distance. And on top of a hill was a small house. It was honestly pretty cute. Decorated beautifully, fully furnished. The pantry was stocked with to the brim. The supplies would indefinitely replenish themselves. Wow. Even though she didn't need to eat, she wouldn't die. She's immortal, but she just does it for fun. <laughs> the floors and the cupboards, they were pristine and the type that you never get dusty because it enchant it's enchanted to clean itself. Wow. There was a nice kitchen, multiple bedrooms, treasures in every corner, gold, carved chests, soft rugs, golden hangings, silver beds, stools, ivory statues. The windowsills were marble. Honestly, really what? wasn't a punishment. It's a dream. Yeah. Maybe her dad thought her being deprived of divine presence was a punishment in and of itself. But the house was also a power move to her dad. It was a display for his power as a titan. You know, because Zeus feared him and that was clear to everybody. Otherwise, Cersei would not have been exiled to live better than a king at the time. Mm. Like she's living like a queen. So she tries to settle into the place, get used to her new home. So she, she can't leave the island. No. Just she's all alone. All alone. By herself. So that's kind of boring. Yeah, for the rest of her life. What? So she tries to explore the woods, but she was scared. At least at first, you know, she's a nymph. She has no powers. I mean, I guess that's not true. She's a witch, but she's practically powerless. All the sap in those yellow flowers, that's how she got the flowers, or her powers, they were now like a world away. And she can't just leave. And in this forest, there's wild animals. I mean, they can't kill her. She's immortal. But they can bite her leg off. And she's just in a world of pain until that leg grows back. 
so it's kind of wild. So in time, probably out of sheer boredom, Cersei starts exploring the forest. She starts walking freely amongst the wolves and the snakes. She learns to braid her hair back and ties up her dress so she doesn't trip over it. She starts singing too. She was never allowed to sing back at home. Her mom always, her mom always told her it sounded like a drowning seagull. But now that she was alone, she spent most of her time just gathering fucking oregano, herbs in the forest. She learned how to properly gather them, right? Extract their powers. Here's the crazy thing. I don't know if her dad did this on purpose, but the island that she was sent to, there was a huge war. What? What in the world? Come on, man. This so, is like an easy setup. I know. There was a lot of enchanted flowers and she could practice her pharmaca. But it's not like those movies. It wasn't fun. I mean, she had to learn the hard way. She had to know when to harvest each plant and how best to extract their properties. It was rough. But I mean, she's immortal. She could do this for the next 2,000 years. Using her powers, Cersei didn't summon dragons. She did not raise the dead. Instead, she started very small. She just wanted to have a little tree. She slaved over months for this little acorn and she's rubbing it with her fucking tree saps. And she's like, turn into a tree, turn into a tree, turn into a tree, because she does transformation spells and it's not working. And she's asking herself, oh my God, why the f do I even want a tree? I'm so over this tree, it's not even growing into a tree. What I really want is a fresh strawberry that I haven't had in ages. And that acorn in her hand changed so fast, her thumb pressed into the strawberry flesh and juice was sipping out of it. I mean, it was a groundbreaking moment. She really, she really had to want whatever she needed to will it to happen. It was a sweet victory, literally. The strawberry was very sweet. Imagine me in bed. Not in that way. Do you think I'm a side sleeper? Maybe a light sleeper. What about you? How do you sleep? That's a question I feel like we don't ask people enough. Instead of how are you, it should be how are you sleeping these days? Because sleep is such a freaking important part to just being a functioning human being. And I thought as long as I was clocking in the time, as long as I was in bed long enough, I should be fine. How naive I was. <laughs> Listen, the biggest adulting lesson that we have learned is never do yourself dirty with a not so great mattress if you have any control over it because yes. you will end up paying for it in the long run like you really will i've talked about helix sleep on the podcast for ages now i love their mattresses i mean i spend eight hours every single night on a helix mattress so i feel like i could say it's freaking amazing helix sleep has premium mattresses customized to fit your needs and it's all conveniently shipped straight to your door i love that helix knows which mattress is going to be the best for me because i'm a side sleeper my fiance sleeps a little bit hot so we took the helix sleep quiz and we were matched with our perfect mattress based on our body type, our sleep preferences. We got the Helix Sleep Midnight Lux. We've been using this for years. We brought it from LA in our move. I don't wake up as sore. It also provides just enough cushion because we like it a little bit on the firmer side. And we love that when you get it, it's delivered straight to your door with free shipping in the US and it comes rolled up in this big box. So easy to set up. There's even a 100 night sleep trial to test the mattress out and ensure you love it. We already have one and my mom did too until we moved. My dad took her mattress. I wish I had a video of this because it sounds freaking crazy, but my dad said that his back was hurting and he needed it more than her. So him and Andrew literally came over and took the mattress and my mom was using my dad's mattress. 
she was complaining about it enough and I was like, okay, let me try to get you a Helix mattress. And that is why we're partnering with them on today's episode. She has been missing her Helix mattress. So we got her one again. <laughs> and Helix has a 10 year warranty. They offer financing options, flexible payment plans. So make sure to visit helixsleep.com slash baking to get up to $200 off your Helix mattress plus two free pillows. That's helixsleep.com slash baking to get up to $200 off your Helix mattress plus two free pillows. And thank you, Helix Sleep, for sponsoring today's episode. So Cersei starts experimenting with other things. She made cherry blossoms out of season. She turned um, fires vivid green. She summoned ferrets to fight off the moles. She had an owl to keep away the rabbits at her house. And Aedes was right. She did have a knack of transformation. That was her little niche. She could turn a rose into an iris with the snap of a finger. She could turn firewood to cedarwood. She turned a scorpion into a mouse, but there were limits on her power. So the mouse still tried to sting with its little tail, mm. even though it would do nothing. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't. She doesn't do much, huh? <laughs> so her, the mouse's body had changed, but it was still a scorpion at the end of the day. Cersei even learned to tame the island animals. She had an, she had a lion as a pet, and for the first time ever, she felt truly powerful and alone on this little island. Well, not entirely alone because Hermes started visiting Cersei. Hermes is Hermes, but you get it. Hermes is the messenger of the gods, the god of travelers, essentially. He can travel anywhere at lightning speed. He can move between the realms of the gods, the humans, the deads. He even guides souls to the underground in his free time. He's a busy guy. He's wow. honestly too busy to sell everyone Birkins, I see. That's what's going on. No, I'm kidding. But Hermes is not only the god of UPS, he is also the god of trickery. Did you know that? Yeah, no. Hermes is the son of Zeus, and he famously stole Apollo's prized cattle and even slayed a powerful monster that had 1,000 eyes. Hermes was quite charming, but he was mischievous. He loved to use his charms to pry secrets out of people, mortal, immortal, it didn't matter. This guy really felt like, if I'm gonna live forever, I might as well get in everybody's business. I might huh. as well stir some shit up. He was an instigator. That's what he was. Hermes was intrigued when he had heard about Circe. She's essentially a witch. I mean, she's banished all to her lonesome on an island. I mean, she probably needs some company, right? My dad. Yeah, he wanted to go fuck Circe. So he would drop down on her island with a little lightning bolt. Listen, there's no rules against not having visitors. She's exiled, that's all. He would drop on by, tell her all the tales, all the updates on Olympus, how Zeus tried to turn himself into a bull so that he could uh, get a pretty little maiden named Europa and they're f***ing right now. Yeah, he's cheating on Hera, the queen of Olympus. <gasps> Aphrodite! Oh my god, get this. Aphrodite is formally married to the blacksmith god. <sighs> ugly. So ugly. So ugly, in fact, that when the blacksmith god was born, his mom threw him off a cliff. Yeah, she was like, oh, you're so ugly. Listen, gods are weird. She was offended by how ugly her son was. And Hera, the queen of Olympus, because Aphrodite is the goddess of love and beauty, she thought, she's too pretty, she might steal my Zeus, and I will no longer be queen. So she did this little marriage trick, and she had Aphrodite marry the ugliest god in the history of gods to keep her from threatening Hera's tones, throne so she couldn't pull a move on Zeus, that little slut, okay? 
Aphrodite was obviously pissed, and as the goddess of sexual love and beauty, being married to one of the ugliest gods ever, she just didn't like it very much. As you can imagine, she was not faithful to her husband for a single day. Not a single day. Not even 24 hours. Her main lover was Ares. But Aphrodite's husband was on to her, and he was desperate to catch her in the act, to embarrass her, to shame her in front of all the other gods. It was a whole cat and mouse game. Hermes loved to tell Circe about it. He even stopped by to play his instruments for her, and he would say, sing, Circe, sing. No, no, I can't. My voice is not pleasing to others. I'm told it sounds like a seagull, a drowning seagull. They said drowning seagull. Is that what they said? You're not a seagull. You just sound mortal. What? What do you mean? Most gods have voices of thunder and rocks, and we must speak soft to human ears or else they're broken to pieces. Mortals sound faint and thin. Very faint. Kind of weak. It's not common, but sometimes lesser nymphs that are born with human voices, such as you. <laughs> what? Why did no one tell me that? But that makes no sense. There is no mortal in me. I'm Titan only. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who can ever explain how divine bloodlines work? As for why nobody told you, I suspect they didn't know. I spend more time with mortals than most gods and have grown accustomed to their sounds. To me, it is only another flavor, like seasoning and food. But if you are among them, you'll notice they won't fear you as they fear the rest of us. Suddenly, everything made sense to Cersei. She sat soaking it in, watching Hermes play his instrument effortlessly. And through Hermes, she also found the name of the island that she had been exiled in, the island of Aiaia. It's the place where Helios threw his strength to Zeus to prove his loyalty. And in the sky above this place, he vanquished a fellow titan and drenched the land with blood. Oh, wow. Quite a coincidence that your father would send you to this island amongst all others. I feel like this was my sneaking suspicion. Helios doesn't really like Circe, but he also likes the idea of having assets. And maybe if he banishes her here, maybe she becomes something. Maybe she doesn't become anything. You think he knows? I think he's got a little sneaking suspicion now. About the island? Yeah. For but sure. he didn't send her Zeus. He did. This is his, like, I think it's his island. Oh. I'm sure he picked it, you know, with the house and everything, living like oh. a... Fascinating, no? It's yeah. kind of a coincidence. Meeting all the herbs there are drenched in ichor. Mm -hmm. Cersei was curious, though, and she asked him, how do you know that your father Zeus is not right about my potions? How do you know I'm not going to drug you right now? I do not know that. But you dare stay. I dare anything. And that's how the two started but they weren't really in love. I mean, not at all. Hermes would actually often ask Cersei, do you want to have my kid? Do you want to have my child? And she always turned him down. And it's not because he wanted to bear children with her. It was just a question of pure curiosity. Would she say yes? Would she not? Maybe he would get bored of her if she said yes. So Hermes had found her different and amusing, if you will. And Cersei kept up to date on all the outside news from him. News about her sister, Pasiphia. She was popping out kid after kid in Crete, brewing potion after potion. Aedes, her brother, had a mortal wife now, and she was already pregnant. You know, it's just so everything she wanted to know. She even asked, I've always wondered, what happened to Scylla? Ah, I was wondering when we would get to her. What do you want to know about her? I mean, I never heard what happened to her after she dove into the sea, after I turned into her monster, after I turned her into a monster. Do you know where she is? Yeah, 
Not far from here, less than a day's journey by mortal ship, she's found this strait she likes. There's a whirlpool on one side that sucks down the ships and the fish, and on the other side, she has a cliff that she uses to hide her head. Any ship that passes the whirlpool, she feeds on them. Feeds? Yeah, she eats the sailors. Six at a time, one for each mouth, and if the ships are a little too slow, she'll take twelve. A few of them do try to fight her, but you can imagine how that works out. You can hear them screaming for quite a few ways. Cersei was shocked. She felt horrible. In fact, she felt responsible for all these dead mortals and these dead sailors. But, but Zeus or, or my father, if they wished, they could stop her, no? Yeah, but why would they? Monsters are a great asset to gods. Imagine all the prayers and sacrifices mortal throws, mortals throw at us, hoping we'll keep the monsters at bay. It's nice to have some fear. Cersei knew if she told Hermes about how she was truly feeling, he would be bored of her. Bored of her shame, her guilt, all these very normal human emotions. He might never come back. So she just responded. Well, Scylla was never satisfied with just one man, was she? And Hermes liked her answer and said, Oh, and Cersei, I've been meaning to tell you. I heard a prophecy about you. The prophet said that a man named Odysseus, born from my blood, will come one day to your island... And? And that's it. That's the worst fucking prophecy I've ever heard. What do you mean? I don't know. That's just what the prophecy said. Odysseus would not visit Cersei's island for a very long time. I think maybe even centuries. But before him, someone else, someone else would come. Deadless. Deadless was mortal, but he was famous amongst gods. Even Cersei knew him. He was this talented, skilled inventor. He was the son of Athena, and the blacksmith god was his patron. He was skilled in architecture. He was an inventor, an artist. But he was practically a slave to Cersei's sister, Pasiphia. She kept him locked up so he could keep renovating their palace and running her errands. Yeah, he was pretty much a butler. In return, she gave him... Nothing. She gave him nothing. Even when Cersei saw his ship approaching to the island, she knew it was him. Deadless. You could just tell by looking at the crafted ship. Cersei stayed inside her house, though. She was eager to meet him. Don't get me wrong. Like, this is the first time in a hundred years somebody came by, but she didn't want him to know that she was desperate for company. So she stayed, and she waited. And a knock on the door. Deadless knocked. Lady Cersei, I'm sorry to trouble you. You haven't troubled me yet. Deadless made eye contact with her pet lion and seemed a little bit more nervous than before. What brings you to my shores? I'm honored you would know me. I come as a messenger from your sister. She is with child and her time approaches. She asks that you attend her delivery. What? Cersei was shocked. She didn't show it. But first of all, her sister had been nothing but a bitch to her. So why was she suddenly asking for her help? It just didn't make any sense. Um... I'm told my sister has bred half a dozen children, each more, easily the, each more easily than the last. She cannot die in childbirth, since she's immortal, and her infants thrive from the strength of her blood. Why would she possibly need me? She's just shooting them out of her cooter. She didn't say that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lady Cersei. I can't really say more, but she tells me to tell you, if you do not help her, there's no one else that can. It's your art and your powers that she wants and yours alone. She's already gotten permission from your father and Zeus. Your exile has been lifted for this. Honestly, Cersei was curious. She was curious, first of all, about what her sister wanted, but also the chance to leave this fucking island probably only came, I don't know, once every five centuries. She accepted. She smiled, but Deadless looked like he had seen a ghost. 
One more thing, Lady Cersei. I'm instructed to tell you that our path, the only path we can take, lies straight through the, the whirlpool. Oh. He did not need to say no more. Cersei knew exactly what he was implying. They were going straight to where Scylla lies. Oh, she's like, have you come that way? Were you ordered to come via the whirlpool? Yes. And how many did you lose? Twelve. Ah. Cersei hated her sister even more now. I mean, disgusting woman, because there's another way to get to the island that didn't require the whirlpool. So she boards Daedalus's boat, Deadless's boat, and the wood was skillfully carved, the detail was impeccable, you get it. They set off on the boat, and Cersei realizes that Deadless had a bodyguard. Not to protect him, but more like a prison guard. Make sure that he doesn't run off. So huh. she questioned him, why does my sister have you under guard? Ah, your sister. Your sister and Minas fear that I do not fully appreciate their hospitality. He didn't say as much, but in other words, he was their prisoner. I mean, that much was translated. But surely, Deadless, you have tried to escape at least once. I might escape them often, but your sister has something of mine that I will not leave. Cersei would later learn what that was. It was kind of crazy. But for now, she had to focus on not being eaten by one of Scylla's six monstrous heads. You know, just a typical day in the life of being that girl. Cersei comes up with a plan, though. She had a transformation potion up her sleeve. Not for Scylla, but for herself. She was going to briefly transform herself into her brother. Scylla had always loved Persis. She always did. So she had all the men drop their weapons. It was foolish for mortals to even think that their little spears would do anything to an immortal monster. A monster Cersei created herself, but you get it. She tells the men, keep the ship moving no matter what. Cersei was determined to make sure not a single man died under her watch. It was terrifying. A cloud of thick mist began to descend onto the ship and the waters were getting rocky. The sky and the cliffs, they were hidden in the fog. Cersei could hear the violent swirling of the whirlpool. Just the men rode forward and Cersei kept her eyes on the prize. Sea mist spraying all over her cloak. The fog was so thick, she could barely see anything until she did. Scylla's body was gray like the rocks. She was massive. One of her necks was longer than the ship. What? And she had six necks. And her six gaping heads, they were also like melting. It looked like melted lava stone. Each one just had a single tooth in each gaping mouth that was as long and large as a sword. And the smell, oh God, the smell coming out of these gaping mouths was something she couldn't even believe. She had never smelt this before. So Cersei cried out to Scylla, but of course it was in her brother Persis's voice, coming from her throat. Scylla responded with a high-pitched, piercing screech. Some of the men had to drop their oars to cover their ears. Scylla, it's me, Persis. I have sailed over a year to find you. My bitch sister is exiled for what she did to you, but she deserves worse. What vengeance do you desire? Tell me. Pacifia and I will do it. We've been searching for a cure for you, a powerful drug to turn you back. We miss you as you were. Honestly, Cersei knew the words were dumb. Okay, Perseus would never have even cared. He doesn't, he didn't care. He never even asked about Scylla. He would never have talked this way. But as long as Scylla was distracted, it didn't matter. So she threw the quote cure into Scylla's mouth. Well, one of them. And she did genuinely hope that it would turn Scylla back into a nymph. 
but it didn't. It just knocked her out for the time being, just enough time for the ship to be out of her reach. When Scylla came to, she tried to snap at them with each of her necks, but she was too far away, and she was pissed. She slammed her squid-like limbs in the water in rage. They survived. Yeah, without a single casualty. The rest of the journey went without much action. It took them six more days to get to Crete, and when they docked, Cersei was impressed. Since Minas had become king, the capital of Crete was the big leagues now. It was a huge trading center in the Mediterranean. All the merchants that passed through the waters wanted Minas as a customer. He set up docks, inns, he was rolling in money. He built a huge palace, and there was obscene displays of wealth everywhere. Countless halls leading to chambers, then more halls and and more halls, intricate tapestries decorating the wall. It was full of life and color. There was sunlight drenching every corner of every room. Deadless leads her to the queen's quarters where Pasiphia was in active labor for the past two weeks. The only difference about Pasiphia's room is that every window was boarded up. Do you want to know why? Every window's boarded up so there's no sun. Also, the father can't see! Yes. She doesn't want her father to pry, okay? Remember Helios, the Titan of the Sun? So they walk in to see Pasiphia sprawled out on her couch, drenched in sweat. Her stomach was grossly distended. It was swollen, almost like a tumor. It did not look okay. Cersei immediately took it out. Twelve dead? Twelve men dead for a joke in your vanity? Why did you have them go through the straits in the whirlpool? She laughed. I mean, it only seemed fair to let Scylla have a chance at you, don't you think? Let me guess, you tried to change her back, didn't you? Oh, I knew you would. You made a monster, and all you can think about is how sorry you are. Alas, poor mortals, I've put them in danger. Tell me, did you weep as you watched them die, the mortals? I saw no men die, Pasiphia. The twelve lost were on the way out to me. And Pasiphia is saying, doesn't really matter. I mean, more are going to die on every ship that passes through Scylla. Regardless, I need your help, Cersei. Please. I'm the one that got you out of that sand pit of an island. I hear you sleep with lions and bears for company, but I guess that's an improvement for you, huh? After Glaucos the squid. <laughs> and you can stop making that face. I've already set aside gold for the families of the men who were lost. And Cersei gets mad. Gold does not bring back a life. Cersei, I can tell that you are not a queen. Believe me, most of the families would rather have gold. Cersei kicked out the handmaiden who was bleeding because her sister Pasiphia had been digging her nails into her from the pains of the labor. And now it was just the three of them, Pasiphia, Deadless, and Cersei. Pasiphia threw off her robe, revealing a super swollen belly. It's been days, and it hasn't been moved, and you need to cut it out. Cersei was confused. Have you tried pushing from your knees? Of course I tried it, Cersei. I've had eight children. Just cut the fucking thing out of me. Deadless, you do it. So she forces the knife to Deadless. All the while she's threatening him. You know exactly what's going to happen if this goes south, right? Just keep that in mind. You better not hurt me. So he's cutting into her belly, and Cersei saw that Pasiphia's blood was a mixture of red and gold. She definitely had more Helios in her than Cersei did. Cersei washed her hands and went elbows deep into the gaping hole in her sister's stomach. She was looking for the baby. But instantly, she felt this searing pain. Something had... Poked her finger? No, something was biting her finger? The pain continued. I mean, something was literally holding onto her finger, like clamped onto her finger. Oh my god, the f 
fucking baby is biting my fucking finger. <laughs> Cersei tries jerking away and her fingers are stuck in there. And she pulls and pulls and pulls. And finally, Pacifia's baby slips out, its mouth still attached to Cersei like a fish on a hook. Essentially, Cersei loses two fingers from this. Don't feel bad. They're going to grow back in like a day. (laughs) There was blood splatter everywhere. It was very much giving CSI crime scene. Cersei's two fingers completely gone. You know, the three of them looked down at the baby. It was not a baby. Monster. It was not a baby. It had two sharp horns on the top of its head. Beady black eyes and a wide nose with flaring nostrils. The baby was half bull. What? Deadless ran to get a cage for the baby monster. Cersei cut the umbilical cord and she was pissed. Pacifia, tell me how this abomination came to be. She refused to answer. Deadless stood there and he tried to explain. Lady Cersei, it's my fault. Um, the gods had sent a bull, pure white, to bless the kingdom of Minos and the queen. She wanted a... She wanted a better look at the bull, but of course the bull didn't like anybody that came closer because the bull was a little bit timid. So I built this hollow likeness of a cow with a place for her to sit inside, this wooden cow, so she could sit near the bull. She was enchanted by the bull, and I gave the cow wheels so we might roll it to the beach where the creature slept. I thought it was only for, um, I thought what would... Pacifia was groaning. Oh my, please! The world will end before you stammer to your finish. I fucked the sacred bull, okay? <laughs> the two of them left with Pacifia. I mean, they had to do what they had to do. They stitched her up and they left her to be. Cersei had no idea. I mean... Why are gods so horny? Yeah. Like, gods so will fuck everything and yeah. anything. I guess when you're a thousand years old, you're a little curious, don't you? You're yeah. like, eh. I guess you're running out of things to fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sex you're, life to be boring, huh? You're running out of siblings to fuck, cousins yeah. to fuck, you know? Yeah. You fuck them all at this point. Now, Cersei had no idea what they were supposed to do. I mean, was she supposed to leave this island without figuring out what to do with the freaking bull, child, monster, baby? I mean, she doesn't even know. She knew that her dad, Helios, had a gift of prophecy, so he could foresee events. She wondered maybe if she had that same gift. She touched a basin of water and asked, show me. And an image formed in her head. It was a delicate, pale image, but there was an answer. The creature would die, but not for a very long time. And until then, it could only be contained. That was the fate. Cersei was scared. That meant she had to help contain a wild beast. She gathered up all the herbs that she could think of, and while staying at the palace, Cersei runs into a little girl, her niece. She was beautiful, full of life, and this young girl led Cersei to Deadless's quarters that Cersei had never been to. Cersei explained to Deadless that she saw the creature's fate. It can die, but they can't kill it. It won't die now. They just have to contain it. She said, I brewed up this charm. It's going to help the creature. The creature craves human flesh. It's part of its nature. I can't take away that hunger, but I can set some limits on it. And he's like, oh, thank you. And she's like, no, 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 don't thank me. Just listen. There are three seasons of the year that the spell will keep the appetite at bay. But every harvest, the appetite will return and it must be fed. Deadless nodded, but he went pale thinking about harvest time. So they went to King Minus and Pacifia with their plan. And King Minus was besides himself. He was pacing the room. He's red in the face. He's a fucking mortal, remember? Okay, we're a little bit, um, we're prone to panic attacks. 
So he's blubbering. Oh my god, I want the I want the creature dead. Oh no, blah blah blah. And Pacifica is just laying there calmly eating grapes. <laughs> now, now, Minus, you'll hurt my sister's feelings. I think it was a fine spell, sister. Three seasons. That's not bad at all. Not bad. My son's appetite is a bit unwieldy, isn't it? Now, he's already gone through most of their prisoners. And Cersei told Minus the creature cannot be killed. Not now. It has a destiny. And nobody messes with fate. But it's far in the future. Pacifia was excited. Destiny? Oh, I love these. Tell us what happens. Does it escape and eat somebody we know? Perhaps a nymph we hate? Minus paled. Will you, you make sure that you secure the beast? Pacifia became condescending. Cersei, sister, remember, you have to secure my son. I hate to think of what would happen if it got out. My husband may be the son of Zeus, but his flesh is thoroughly mortal. The truth is, I think he may be scared of the creature. Minus exploded. You hear that? She threatens me so openly. This is your fault. This is your whole fucking lying family's fault. Your father gave her to me as if she were a treasure. But if you knew the things she had done to me... Pacifia, finally, she was wild up, okay? She jumped. Oh, tell her then. Tell her some of the things I've done to you. I think Cersei would appreciate the witchcraft. Did I tell you, sister, about the hundred girls who died while you humped them, while you heaved over them? Pacifia had done a very mean thing. Minus was sleeping with hundreds of servant girls, probably each month, hundreds. And these women didn't have a choice because he was king. How do you say no? Either way, it pissed off Pacifia. She was besides herself. And she made a little potion, gave it to her husband. Every time he ejaculates, his sperm turns into scorpions and snake babies. And if you're mortal, it will eat you from the inside out. <laughs> what? Pacifia was now amazed. The shock on Cersei and Minus's face was so good. And she said, Oh, Minus, Cersei, are you guys wondering why he didn't stop after the first one? Apparently, he's so fucking stupid. And it's just so funny. It took him so long to understand. Minus, did you really think that these girls were dying from the pleasure of your humps and your exertions? From sheer transported bliss? Do you even know where the clit is? Minus screamed at her. All you breed is evil. I should have ripped that beast from your cursed womb before it was born. And she smirked. But you don't dare, do you? You know how your dear father Zeus dotes on such creatures. How else can all his bastard heroes win their wars? So Minus was not the son of Zeus and Hera. He, his mom is Europa, so technically he was a bastard in those times. Cersei and Deadless get to a building to cage the beast where um, it would later be named Menator. Cersei thought the name was clever, so Minus can claim the bull instead of being the cuckold. Instead of being the king that's wife-fuckable. Mm. Now he's claiming it, putting his name on it. He can share the sister's glory. He becomes the great king who begets monsters and names them after himself. Very smart stuff, honestly. Cersei was proud of her spell to keep the Minotaur a bit more controllable, but she couldn't help but feel bad. The Minotaur, flesh-hungry beast or not, would spend the rest of its life in a cage, knowing only anger and hunger for what? To be Pacifia's greatest achievement in life? After surviving the great feat of caging the Minotaur, Cersei surprises Deadless in his quarters, and she found his secret. The thing that Pacifia was using to get him to do everything she wanted. A child named Icarus. So Deadless explains, Pacifia, your sister, arranged a marriage between me and 
Icarus's mother. She was a good woman, though I didn't know her that long. She died at birth, and it was difficult, I have to admit. I've done my best to be a father to him and a mother too, but I know he feels the lack. Every woman we pass, Icarus will ask me, are you going to marry her? Cersei says, and will you? I think not. Pacifia has enough on me already, and I would never have been married in the first place unless she insisted. I know that I'm an unfit husband. I am the happiest when my hands are busy with work. I like to come home filthy and late from working, and I just feel trapped, and I'm worried for Icarus. Right now he's young, he doesn't understand, but he's still a prisoner. Sure, we're in a palace, and it's a golden cage, but it's still a cage. Cersei wished that Deadless and Icarus could escape to her island with her, where she could keep him away from Pasiphia, but she knew better than to cage him again. I mean, this would just be another cage. He was her second lover, but the first real one. So this is the second time she... Falling in love? No, like, does a god. But Hermes, she wasn't in love with him. So it's like her first love, but her second time doing it with someone. Oh, they did it. Oh, yeah, they keep doing it. Oh, they keep doing it. It wasn't just sex. Cersei genuinely cared about Dudless. He was intelligent, witty, capable, creative, witty, down to earth. It he was said, uh, witty twice. He was very witty. <laughs> okay. Incredibly witty. Two times the wit of most normal people. It was heartbreaking when it came time to part. On the last day, Cersei found her sister and asked her straight up, Why did you summon me here? Cersei, yeah. it was a gift, of course. Who else would have enjoyed seeing me bleed so much? Oh, I don't know. I could probably think of a thousand people. <laughs> well, what a shame that you can't use your new binding smell on Scylla. But of course, you would need her mother's blood, and I don't think that shark will oblige. You just want to humiliate me, didn't you? You would have sent for Percy's, but you brought me here to make me your fool. Oh, no. That requires no effort from me, Cersei. You are a fool in your own right. Let me tell you the truth about Helios and all the rest. They do not care if they, you are good. They barely care if you are wicked. The only thing that makes them listen is power. It is not enough to even be beautiful. When you go to them and you kneel and you say, I have been good, will you help me? They wrinkle their brows and they say, Oh, sweetheart, it cannot be done. Oh, darling, you must learn to live with it. Have you asked your father Helios? You know, I do nothing without his word. They take what they want, and in return, they give you only your own shackles. A thousand times I saw you squashed. I squashed you myself, and every time I thought she is done, she will cry herself into a stone, into some croaking bird. She will leave us in good riddance. Yet you always came back the next day. They were all surprised when you showed yourself a witch. But I knew long ago, despite your wet mouth weeping, I saw how you would not be ground into the earth. You loathed them. All of them, as much as I did. I think that's where our power comes from. If this is so, Pasiphia, why are you so savage to me? Aedes and I were alone. You could have been friends with us. Cersei, friends? There are no friends in those halls, and Aedes has never liked a woman in his life. That's not true. Because you think he liked you? He tolerated you because you were a tame monkey clapping for every word that he spoke. You and Persis were the same. You and the other brother, you guys were the same as me. You know nothing of Persis. Do you know what I had to do to keep him happy? The things I had to do? It's given very incestuous, okay? And then father gave me to that ass minus. Well, I could work with him, and I have. He's fixed now, but it's been a long road, and I will never go back to what I was. So tell me, sister, who would I have called instead? Some god who couldn't wait to scorn me and make me beg for crumbs? Or some stupid nymph that would have gone running and screaming at the first tooth? 
They can't bear any pain at all. They're not like us. I'm not like you, Pasiphia. No, you're not. You're like father. You're stupid and sanctimonious, closing your eyes to everything you don't understand. Tell me, what do you think would happen if I don't make monsters and poisons? Minus does not want a queen. He wants a simpering jelly he keeps in a jar and breathes to death. He would be happy to have me in chains for eternity. And all he needs to do is say one word to his own father to make it happen. But he doesn't because he knows what I would do with him first. That's why I do the potions. And that's why I f balls. She didn't say that, but I'm saying that. No, father would never let him do that. You think Helios would put me in chains himself if it would keep his precious alliance with Zeus, and you're proof of that. Zeus is terrified of witchcraft, and he wanted a sacrifice. Father picked you because you were worth the least, and now you're shut on that island and you'll never leave it. I feel like you guys and I are similar, no? I mean, anytime I ask for recommendations on shows, audiobooks, podcasts, anything, I get such a wide range of interests, which is always super cool, and the easiest way for me to explore all of those is through Audible. Listen, Audible lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in just one app, so you can always find the best of what you love, or maybe there's something new for you to discover. It's all on Audible. Audible's got this incredible selection of audiobooks across all the genres, you could literally be listening to a bestseller, like a new celebrity memoir release, and then switch on over to a creepy mystery, a suspenseful thriller that has you on the edge of the seat the whole time. Then you can just seamlessly switch over to a self-help audiobook about how to fix your gut health, and maybe your brain, <laughs> and even how to grow an online business, and more, literally all on Audible. You can even discover exclusive Audible originals from top celebrities, renowned experts. There's always new exciting voices in audio. Yeah, you can even listen to thousands of podcasts on Audible. I use Audible practically every single day. It's so easy to use, which I think really adds to the experience. I could be listening to a mystery thriller while doing the dishes. Have I broken a plate because I dropped it in horror? Not yet, but I'm always afraid I'm going to. And then I can just seamlessly swap to my phone, throw in a pair of earbuds, take my hot girl walk, pick up where I left off. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including their latest bestsellers, newest releases, and those are yours to keep forever. Members also get full access to a growing selection of included audiobooks, Audible originals, podcasts. You can download and stream these titles all you want. And right now, new Audible members can try Audible for free for 30 days. Might I recommend a few things since you're already at it? Obviously, Cersei by Madeline Miller. Also, I already finished this one, but I'm re-listening to it because of Cersei. Madeline Miller's other book, The Song of Achilles, it's about Achilles and the Trojan War, which is honestly such a well-known, overtold story. I thought, I thought that I was gonna get bored of it. I might like it better than Cersei. Like, it's a heartbreaking book. You're gonna be crying a ton of tears. It's all over book talk, just the emotion, the sheer gravity of everything. It's The feeling is being transported into a separate world and you need to listen to it. It's unlike any other audiobook that I've ever listened to. So make sure to visit audible.com slash BAM or text BAM, B-A-M to 500-500. And thank you Audible for sponsoring today's episode. And with that, Cersei boarded the ship. There, um, Dudless had gifts waiting for her. Gifts that would surely get him in trouble if Pasiphia found out. He created the most beautiful loom she had ever seen, made from polished cedar. Cersei was so sad she would never see him again. But she would hear the stories of what happened. 
Deadless built a maze called the Labyrinth to keep the Minotaurs safe. It would keep him captive, but also give him enough space to live his life, so that he's not just in bars. Honestly smart. For years, the Minotaur feasted on Crete's prisoners during the harvest. Bones were laying all over the Labyrinth's floors. But eventually, the people of Crete were sick of this. They were sick of losing their kids to the harvest, to the Minotaur. Anyways, Pasiphae and Minos' eldest son was killed near Athens, and Minos demanded the Athenian king to send seven men and seven maids to feed his Minotaur as payment for his son's life. Now, the Athens king was really scared. He didn't want a war. So as one of the sons that he was sending, he even threw in, threw in one of his sons as one of the guys he was sending to really show King Minos, like, this is a really good sacrifice. Like, I'm not just throwing some randos on the street. My son, I'm, I'm letting you kill my son because we killed your son by accident. Wow. His name was Thesis, but the problem was that Pasiphae and Minos' daughter fell in love with him. And she helped him using her knowledge of the labyrinth, taught him how to get through the maze and kill the Minotaur. Oh, wow. She was in tears when she saw her lover emerge victorious because Minotaur was a monster, but it was still her brother. And the two wow. fled Crete after the Minotaur was slain. They wanted to get married, but the daughter had already been promised to Dionysus, which is the name of a Gucci bag, but it's also the lord of grapes and partying. Sounds like the worst husband ever, like truly the worst husband ever. There's another subplot involved in this, so... um. De Deadless and his son Icarus, they were dreaming of their own escape. You guys know Icarus, right? So Deadless created two sets of wings, wooden frames coated in yellow wax that held these long white feathers to the wood. He tied one set to himself and another to his son Icarus, who is a young man now. And he told Icarus, we're going to go to the highest cliff, jump. The ocean winds will catch us and we will soar like birds, and the plan is to fly east towards the rising sun, towards Africa. Their plan was to get to Egypt. Icarus was so excited, he had never tasted freedom in his entire life before, and he whooped and he whooped and he kept rising higher and higher and higher, and Deadless cried, don't fly so high, the sun will melt the wax. Either Icarus didn't hear or he didn't care, and one by one the feathers melted, and Deadless could do nothing but watch his son drop to the sea and drown to death. Deadless had no choice but to keep flying. And he wept silently. He was carried to whatever meaningless freedom lie ahead of him. When he landed, Deadless died very quickly. He lost all of his strength and passion. He just aged very quickly from the grief. Minos died too, King Minos. Pasiphae returned to her family's halls to live out the rest of her immortal comfort. Meanwhile, Circe was still exiled. Each day, she collected more herbs, learned more spells. She made scarves on Deadless's loom, and at first, she was lonely. But then she started getting shipments of nymphs. Let me explain. A lot of gods thought to punish their daughters for wanting to marry mere mortals. They're like, no, this is not a fucking Cinderella story. You're marrying this god. You're marrying your brother. You're not marrying that guy. You're marrying your brother. Don't even think about marrying a human. So they would send them to the witch of, the witch of Aea, Circe. Have her whip them into shape for free. <laughs> it was like boot camp for free. Cersei quickly realized she had no choice. She couldn't, she couldn't not take them in. And she thought being alone was so much better. At first, all the nymphs were the same. They thought they were better than Cersei and they refused to even look her in the eye. Then she would threaten to turn them into worms. They would do everything she said. And it was working so well that it backfired and more gods wanted to send their <laughs> unt untamely nymph daughters to her like some sort of army basic training. And Cersei's lion died, 
Cersei couldn't make him immortal, and she cried. She cried for him, and she had never felt so lonely. Her island was brimming full of nymphs, but still so lonely. And one day, another ship appeared, an old, battered vessel, one that had obviously seen better days. It was clearly the ship of mortals. There were a crew of battered, scared, broken mortal men, and the captain stood before her, head held down. Lady, we are hungry and lost. We hope such a goddess as yourself will help us in our need. And she smiled. You're welcome here. Very welcome. Come in. She kicked the nymphs out of the house and even the wolves and the lions. She wanted her guests to feel comfortable and not intimidated. She sat down with the crew and they ate delicious stewed figs, roasted fish, cheese boards. And the men were so happy during dinner they called her sweets. And Cersei realized, oh, these men don't actually know that I'm a goddess. Goddess was just like a term of endearment, like sweets, like, hey honey. They were just saying it as a phrase. Whatever, doesn't mind her. After dinner, their bellies full. And these f***ing men, they look around. Oh my god. Their eyes landing on the silver bowls, the golden goblets, the expensive furniture. And the captain, <clears throat> when will your husband be home? We must toast to such fine hospitality. Oh, I do not have a husband. Oh, right, of course. You are far too young to be married. When will your father be home? We must thank him. Oh, my father lives quite a bit away. Then an uncle? A brother? If you would like to thank your host, the house is mine alone. And with that, the atmosphere changed in a blink. Cersei could feel the tension, and she offered to bring more wine. She picked up one of her potions and spilled them into the wine. Just in case. I mean, Cersei felt silly doing this. She's just... She, they're just shocked at a woman being so independent. They want to get some entrepreneur tips from her, that's what. The crew drank their wine in silence, and the captain stood up. Cersei knew that all she had to do was say her name, and all of them would fall asleep. She was just protecting herself, but she didn't have the time. The captain stood up, threw her up against the wall, jammed his arm up against her throat so she couldn't talk, and he ripped her as the crew watched. Any mortal would have lost consciousness, but she was awake for every single fucking second of it. And when he was done, she was silent, and she heard the other men whine. Is she dead? Damn it! It was my turn next. Cersei was so pissed she spoke a word, and before the captain could even comprehend what was happening, his rib cage cracked out of his skin. It started to bulge. The sound of bones crackling and flesh tearing filled the room. The captain's nose ballooned from his face, and his legs shriveled down. The men fell on all fours, and they were screaming and screaming until they were squealing. Cersei smiled at herself, and that is how it all started. The Witch of Aiea would gain a reputation for turning men into pigs, their rightful form. Wow, yeah, wow, that's worse than pigs. Yeah, because like pigs are actually really nice. That well, she helped them, right? She saved them, Exactly! Them. It's like the snake story. They're snakes. Yeah. But like, hashtag not all men though, right? Which, by the way, pigs are super intelligent, so I guess that these crew and these men are not actually pigs because they're fucking idiots. But you get what she means. They were always the same. They were pigs. So they always do the same thing. She knows this becomes a trend. They wash up ashore. Oh, goddess, help us. We're so grateful for your hospitality. Then their eyes would glaze over her treasures and her body, and they would ask her, Do not tell us such a beauty as yourself dwells alone! Ah yes, quite alone, so lonely here by my lonesome. Here, have some more wine. Then a few sips later, the captain would stand up, but Cersei wasn't scared. 
The entire crew, except the captain, would topple over and start squealing. She liked to save the captain for last, because he would shrink into a little corner up against the walls. Please, please, I'll do anything. Please fear me. Please, I'll never do that again. Nope, pig. Then at the end, Cersei would call the nymphs and they would all rally the pigs out into the yard. There were so many pigs. Sometimes one of them would escape and fling their bodies off a cliff to die. Every time she passed the pig pen, they would stare at her squealing and she could hear them. We're sorry, we're sorry. And she would say, yeah, sorry you were caught. And walk away. She did this ship after ship until she was honestly bored of it. And she had so many pigs. It was a lot. One nymph alerted her one day. Another one is on the path. Cersei wasn't surprised. Okay, let's put out the table, put out the wine. And the nips vanished before the crew arrived at the house. But this time, there was no crew. It was just one man. Lady, my crew has taken shelter with you, and I hope that I may as well. Ah, yes. You're just as welcome as your friends. Cersei tested him, but he was unlike the rest. He didn't seem interested in her treasures or even her bod. He wasn't interested at all. Instead, he gawked over Deadless's loom. He said, clever use of the second beam instead of loom weights. So much more efficient. My wife would be thrilled. Those weights used to drive her mad. Oh, where is your wife now? On the ship? No, no, at home, thank the gods. I would not make her sail with such ragged bunch. She runs the house better than any regent. You call your crew ragged? They seem no different from other men. Oh, you're kind to say so, but they usually behave like beasts. It's my fault. As their captain, I should keep them better in line, but we've been at war, and you know, that can tarnish even the best men, and though I love them all, I would never call them the best men. War? What war? The Trojan War, of course. Guys, are you guys seeing where I'm going with this? This was the man Hermes promised would visit. Odysseus, the grandson of Hermes. He is probably one of the most well-known Greek legends, famously told by Homer. Odysseus, the king, the Greek king of Ithaca, he ruled over a kingdom with his wife Penelope. They had a young son, Telemachus, and when their firstborn was only so young, the Trojan War broke out and Odysseus was forced to fight. He promised his faithful, intelligent wife, no matter what, I will return home. And she would remain faithful to him even though 20 years would go by. And many men would line up, hoping for her hand in marriage, hoping for their seat on the throne. So you're like 20 years? I mean, apparently, where is this guy going? If you Google Maps it, the trip should have taken like two weeks. I don't know. This guy got lost. 20 years, two decades. So Odysseus, you either love him or hate him. Most people don't really like the guy at all. But anyways, the Trojan War started over Helena, Helen, who was reportedly the most beautiful mortal woman on earth. She was married to the king of Sparta, but Paris, a young, handsome Trojan prince, fell in love with Helen. Some say he abducted her. Some say they were lovers. Some say Aphrodite started the war. She had charmed Paris and Helen to fall into each other. Regardless, Helen's husband, King of Sparta, was fucking pissed. He's like, where's my wife? He waged war on all of Troy to take back his wife. This was the war that even great warrior Achilles fights in as well. So yeah, so many things are coming together right now. Anyway, near the end of the war, Odysseus has an idea. The Trojan horse built this huge, large, hollow wooden horse. They would hide inside of it, gift it to the Trojans. Kind of like, um, kind of like Pasiphia and her cow sculpture, but instead of using it to fuck a bull, they were gonna win the war. The Trojans didn't suspect a thing. They thought it was a peace offering. And at night, while everybody slept, Odysseus and his men slipped out and took them by surprise. 
There were devastating losses on both sides, including Achilles, Achilles himself dying, but the war was won. After the Trojan War, Odysseus began his journey home. It had been 10 years of fighting. Like I said, the journey really should have taken a few months max, but somehow, I mean, the fucker would spend another 10 years on the road <laughs> just trying to find his way back home. Like, someone give him a map quest, someone give him a Google Maps, whatever. He ended up on an island where he and his crew raided, and then later, he ended up on an island filled with Cyclops, yeah, the one-eyed ones, who ended up eating Odysseus's men, and he had to sit there and think of a way to defeat the Cyclops. So he's just roaming around lost, fighting epic, heroic battles. The Rice Krispies are done. Okay, I'm excited. Let me just... Oh my god. What is, is that? A... Ew, what is that? It's a black sesame drizzle to make it even cuter. Wow. <laughs> it looks really... It smells delicious. So I'm just gonna cut into it. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have put in the freezer. Freezer, yeah. Good luck. Your dentist says hello. Thank you. <laughs> okay, let me try. Wow. What is it? It's the best thing ever. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were being sarcastic, but you keep mm -hmm. going in. Delicious. Mmm. 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 I love black sesame. It's not as sweet as regular Rice Krispies. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Wow. Wow. Good job. Mmm. Wow. Mm. So good. I'm so sorry. I must eat another bite, and then we'll get into it. It's not really great for your teeth, though, yeah? But who needs teeth when you have sweets? Mmm. Wow, incredible. One of the more incredible desserts we've made. Mm -hmm. Truly, if I wasn't impatient and we didn't freeze it. No, I think it's perfect. So the Cyclops did ask his dad Poseidon to curse Odysseus and that's how they were on the road for like 10 years. I guess it makes sense, fine. Odysseus was also given a leather bag. He was told that it contained all the winds in the world except the west wind. I meaning thought he gave him um, a what? A Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> So it meant that without this bag, they would all sail straight west to where Ithaca was, where Odysseus wanted to go. Odysseus knew that his men were immature and ignorant. He had to stay awake on multiple days on end to make sure that nobody would open the bag and release the winds. But he's a mere mortal. One night, he was so tired, he falls asleep and one of his crew thought it would be nice to steal the leather bag. He assumed that inside of it was a ton of gold or something valuable. So he opened up the bags and the winds were unreleased. And that is how, um, yeah, that's how they made it to Cersei's Island. And now he was sitting in front of her telling her this wild story and she was immediately intrigued. She hadn't had such good company since Deadless and she decided to free Odysseus's men from their pig spell what? in exchange for Odysseus's little Trojan horse. This penis. They do the dirty and she turns his men back into well, still pigs, but in human form. She allows them to eat her food, and they winced every time Cersei would walk by. They were terrified. Odysseus has to fix his boat to get back to Ithaca, and Cersei allows him to stay with his men for like a month. And honestly, she was really happy about this. She had no qualms about this. She wanted him to stay until the day he died, but she didn't let him know that. She loved all the pillow talks that they had at night. Odysseus is really loved talking about the war. I mean, I get it, PTSD, but it was a little bit of a red 
red flag. He talked about it, about how other men fought bravely, but they flinched from war's true nature. He said, only I have the stomach to see what must be done. And what must be done? You promise mercy to spies so that they will spill their story. Then you kill them after. You beat men. You coax heroes from their sulks. You keep spirits high at any cost. I crouched in the wooden belly with my picked men of the Trojan horse. And if any of them shook with terror or made a noise, I put my knife to their throat. When the Trojans finally slept, we tore through them like foxes among soft feathered chickens. Why did you even go to war if you knew that this is what it would take? Oh, because a foolish oath I had once sworn. He didn't tell Circe this, but Odysseus, before he met Penelope, was one of Helen's suitors. And all of Helen's suitors were made to have an oath to protect her if any harm ever came near her. So when she was abducted, her husband called upon all the former suitors. Yeah, imagine calling up your wife's ex-boyfriends, being like, hey, can you help me get my wife back? That's what he did, to uphold their oaths and get her back for him. Odysseus tried to get out of it by pretending to have lost his mind. He feigned lunacy, but it didn't work. And since he was already in the war, he thought to himself, might as well be one of the best, yeah? Might as well be a Greek legend for my time. He talked about the rules of war with Circe, the unspoken law. A son must avenge his own father. Odysseus said it's comforting to him that he has a son, because if he was killed, his son will take to the seas. He will hunt down those men that killed Odysseus. He will stand before them and say, you dare spill the blood of Odysseus, and now yours will be spilt in return. He rambled on and on about how war took boys before they could even grow into a proper beard, robbed them of their childhood, but also their adulthood. They just never grow up, he said. All these men in war, they're just kids in grown-up bodies. Odysseus talked about Penelope a lot, even about how amazing she was while he was like actively fucking Cersei. So like men suck, you know? He said, Penelope is wonderful. She is smart, capable, cunning, constant, constant in all things. Even wise men go astray sometimes, but never her. She is a fixed star, a true made bow. Anyways, Odysseus fixes his ship and leaves, but he can't go back home because he gets another prophecy that he must sail to the western edge of the world, summon the spirits of the dead, and then summon the sacred cattle that are looked after by Helios' daughters. The cattle that Helios f***ed runs in the family, okay? Well, he would have to go after one of these sacred cattle. And he was shocked. He was terrified. Helios was the titan of the sun. He goes back to Circe bearing a gift. I got you something. It's a vial of, um, it's, I, I got this from the pits of the dead souls. I think it's their blood. Here, take it. In return, I asked for just one thing. Can I just get some advice on, um, how to kill your dad's sacred cattle? Like, I know he loves them, I know he fucks them, but I gotta kill him. So Odysseus, with Circe's advice, would go to the land of the sacred cows. But when he slept, he woke up to find that his men ate the sacred cows. That's how he's gonna kill the cow. That wasn't the prophecy though. Oh. They fucked it all up. I mean, oh. I'm sorry, but all are like, I get it, it's part of the plot, but all his men are bozos. <laughs> like they're all rapist bozos, I don't get it. As punishment, Helios had Zeus unleash an epic thunderstorm on Odysseus' ship, and Odysseus was the lone survivor of the wreck. He washed ashore to a heavenly island where he meets Calypso, a beautiful nymph and the daughter of the great titan Atlas. 
he fucks her too and stays for like seven years. He was attempted to even abandon his mission back home to Penelope and to their son. And Hermes returned and talked some sense into him. Grandson, you gotta go back. What in the world? You can't keep fucking Calypso. Like, I get it, she's hot and all, but like, you gotta skedaddle out of here. Cersei, meanwhile, was pregnant with his child. Yeah, she stopped taking Jeez. her herbal birth control. She would never tell Odysseus that she was pregnant, and she gave birth to a baby boy named Telegonus. Obviously, she'd be lying if she said that Odysseus's other son's name didn't inspire her. Inspire her. Telemachus, Telegonus. She was a little petty, okay? Let her live. Rough start for Telegonus. He was a demon baby. Not in the world of Olympus or the underworld, but just like a regular human baby. Just annoying okay he cried all the time he hated everything and everyone he wanted attention non-stop he wasn't immortal because Cersei and Odysseus they made a mortal child he was gonna die huh. and she had to be so careful that he didn't scratch himself and hurt himself like truly a human child she thanked herself that she at least didn't need to sleep or rest or eat and she would tend to him non-stop she probably wondered how human mothers do it I wonder that too. She thought that he would grow up in a year to a full-on teenager age because, you know, that's how divine children usually grow. But she saw, <laughs> she saw Telegonus grow slowly. That's but, crazy. The fact that they live so yes. short but takes forever to grow. Yeah. I'm telling you, humans are just we're not the weakest link. Yeah, we kind of are. There's nothing, and yeah. also they're so fragile. Like, why is a baby's skull so soft? Doesn't it, like, take so long to harden, and then they still have a soft spot? Yeah. It's like, come on, you're just asking to get forked up. So, um, Cersei loved her kid and would never let anyone harm him. But as it turned out, most children, Telegonus being one of them, was the biggest threat to himself. He wanted to stick his grubby little hands into fires. He wanted to f***ing stick his head into a snake pit, just for funsies, just to see what's down there. It was a full-time job for Cersei and most mothers to keep your child from dying every single day. She did this until one day there was a loud crack in the sky and a booming voice. They had a visitor, <sighs> Athena the goddess of war and wisdom, Zeus's favorite child. She came down like a bolt of lightning and she said, what I desire will come to pass. There is no mitigation, give me the child. Cersei's like, no, you're not getting the kid, this is my kid. You dare stand against me? Give him to me willingly and there not need be a battle. I will make sure it's quick, he will not suffer. Wait, wait, wait. what does she want to do? She wants to kill the kid. Why? Yeah, we don't know. So Cersei is ignoring her. She knew if Athena wanted the baby, she would have taken the baby. She says, Great goddess, all my life I have heard the stories of your power, so I must wonder. You have wanted my child dead for some time, and yet he lives. How can that be? I can only think then that you are not permitted. Something prevents you from killing my child outright. Athena had been Odysseus's patron, so maybe she's pissed. Maybe she wanted to take her anger out on his baby that he didn't even know existed. I don't know, right? Because the only person or thing that could stop her was fates. That meant Telegonus had a fate that even Athena couldn't interfere with. So Athena huffed and puffed and threatened Cersei before leaving. You can now watch him all the time. I will take him in the end. 
This set off a mission in Circe. She gathered all her most powerful herbs, got to work. She remembered the vial that Odysseus had given her, and with that, she threw a spell around the island. Athena would never enter. She could finally rest. It wasn't great though. She would need to renew the protection spell every single month. Um, it took three full days of stressful attention every single month, but she never complained. Her son was safe, they were free, that's all that mattered. As Telegonus grew, Circe had other things to worry about. He was curious and adventurous and he wanted to know so much about his dad. She would tell him and of course she lied. She lied here and there. She would say, well your dad, he was the king of Ithaca. She left out all the gory details of war and how much he freaking loved to kill people. How much he freaking loved war. And she painted him to be this perfect hero. The kind of figure that a son would look up to. Which honestly just backfired because unbeknownst to Circe at the time, Telegonus started dreaming of sailing to Ithaca to meet his dad. One day he finally showed his mom the dingiest ship of all. He made a ship. And he's like, mom, what do you think? Nice. What are you doing with the ship? It's great, right? I'm going to be gone for just a few months and I will be back by spring. Hermes said that he would help me. <laughs> who? Who who said that? Hermes, he told me he's a friend of yours. He came and visited me a while ago. That's his great-grandpa, right? Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean what's going to take you that long? The journey, the journey to Ithaca. Hermes said that he'll lead me around the monster, so I have no fear of that. Cersei was pissed. Hermes is the god of lies, the god of trickery. Only fools put their faith in him. Bes besides, what makes you think you'll be welcome in Ithaca? All you know are stories of your father, and he already has a son. How do you think Telemachus will like his bastard brother appearing? But mom, I I'm, I'm not going for his kingdom or his inheritance. I'm going to explain that to him when I get there. I'll stay the whole winter and I'll be back by spring. And tell me, did Hermes say nothing about his sister Athena who so desperately wants you dead? Mom, that was a long time ago. She probably forgot. Forgot? Are you an idiot? Athena does not forget. She will eat you in one gulp. I forbid you from going. Mom, there's nothing here for me. All my days are the same. If this is life, I would rather die. I would rather Athena f***ing kill me. Do you hear me? At least then I could have seen something in my life that's not this freaking island. <sighs> Such a teenager. I don't want kids, okay? <laughs> Cersei knew that he was determined and she was angry. She wanted to kill Hermes, honestly, but she had, she had no choice but to help. She would pay any price to keep her son safe. So for the first time ever, she broke her exile. She walked into the waters, deep into the deep ocean, where she reached out <clears throat> to the god of the deep waters. His name was Trigon. And um, he's got this poisonous tail that can really injure any god or goddess, anybody, any titan. But you can't just take it from him. The only way you get it is if you bargain with Trigon. And legend has it, nobody's been able to get it. What is it? It's a poisonous tail. This tail, essentially, if it touches a mortal, it'll kill them instantly. If it touches a god or a goddess, uh -huh. eternity of torment. Wow. So it's very, very strong stuff. Yeah. So she meets Trigon, and she descends into the sea and cries out, Great Lord of the Deep, I come from the world to challenge you. Trigon slithered in from the darkness. His eyes were like a cat's, and his mouth was just a slit. He asked her, For what purpose do you challenge me? I come to win your poison tail. I know who you are, daughter of the sun. All that the sea touches comes to me. At last, in the depths, I have tasted all your family. 
What? Your brother came once seeking my power. He went away like all the rest. I must try though for my son. It is impossible. My law is as how it's ever been. If you must take my tail, you first submit to its poison. That's the price. Eternal pain in exchange for a few more mortal years for your son? Is it worth the cost? Did you offer the same bargain for my brother? The offer is same for all. He refused, they always do. I'm ready. Please strike. No, no, no. You must put your hand on the venom yourself. Cersei steeled herself. She puffed her chest and she walked across the seafloor, littered with bones of humans. Her foot got caught on a ribcage, but she pushed on, okay? So <laughs> she walked around to Trigon's massive body, closed her eyes. She wondered for a split second, what does eternal pain even feel like? But nothing compared to that of her son's smiling face and his safety. So she reaches forward and she falls. Her hand passes through the empty water. When she opens her eyes, Trigon is facing her. It is finished. You would have touched the poison and that is enough. Now cut the tail off in the flesh above, else the venom will leak. Cersei freaking did it! This is like a... I freaking know! Like a children's tail. She found an old stick that Telegonus loved, and he she wound up the poison tail like a spear. She made a leather cover for it, enchanted it to keep the poison at bay, and she told her son, do not ever, ever release the leather cover unless you need to use it. It will cause instant death for mortals and an eternity of torment for gods. It is only meant for Athena. When you are at your utmost danger, when you get back from your trip, you must return it to me. And with that, he set sail to meet his dad. He promised her, I'll bring you back so many gifts and stuff. Mother, you won't believe them all. I'll get you so many presents. You won't even see the deck of my boat. Didn't exactly work out like that. Odysseus was far from a perfect hero and a perfect dad. If you guys know how the story goes, Odysseus goes back to Ithaca after being gone for like 20 years. He finds the entire place overrun by Penelope's suitors, and this pisses him off. He's jealous, even though he freaking slept with a bajillion people, right? But he gets mad, and he has all the suitors murdered. And then he makes his son Telemachus, that he hasn't seen in like 20 years, murder all the maids that ever slept with the suitors or helped them. That was shocking for Telemachus. Similar to Telegonus, he was raised by a single mom, and he had only heard the stories of his heroic father. And now here he was, being forced to slaughter innocent women for his father. The suitors of Penelope all came from powerful families, which they all now threatened war on Odysseus. Goddess Athena stepped in and persuaded both sides to make peace. She didn't hate Odysseus like Circe believed. She actually loved Odysseus. But Odysseus was slowly losing it. He was becoming paranoid. He thought everybody was out to get him, out to get his throne. He even banished his own son from the palace. Penelope said Odysseus thrived in war. He wanted to go back to those times. When Odysseus would look out and see a dingy little ship docking in his shore, he was ecstatic. He thought, a little thief, a little pirate has come. I can't wait for him to try and steal from me so I can dole out the punishment and kill him. Odysseus hopped onto this ship and started, without even talking, throwing punches at Telegonus. Long story short, Telegonus was like, I'm your son, I'm your son. Odysseus did not believe him, ripped off the leather cover of the spear, and it ever so lightly grazed his cheek. This would have left no scar had it been a regular spear. No blood would have been spilled, but it wasn't a regular spear. And Odysseus died on the spot. That's why Athena wanted to kill Telegonus. 
because he was going to be responsible for the death of her precious Odysseus. Wow. And gods love their heroes. In the end, Telegonus sails back with his half-brother Telemachus and Penelope because Telemachus had witnessed his father's death, but he broke the code in Ithaca that said that it's a son's obligation to avenge their father's death, remember? Yeah. He refused. So the, the citizens of Ithaca were enraged. They decided Telemachus was a little bitch and he wasn't going to be the next king. So they refused to let Telemachus and his mom, Penelope, stay on the island. So they go back to Circe. This is a weird situation. Yeah. You know, Penelope, Circe, Telemachus, Telegonus. Penelope taught Telegonus to swim. Circe and Telemachus spent a ton of time together. They had a lot in common. Neither of them really cared for war or even adventure. They were like homebodies. Penelope learned from Circe about her herbs and potions. Circe taught her magic. Penelope had it in her. Athena returned to make a hero out of Telemachus. You know, because Odysseus is dead, so she wants Telemachus, his firstborn son, to be the next hero. But he declined. What? He's just not interested in fighting Trojans and building empires. But Telegonus was. Circe's son was. He always longed for adventure. And Circe took it really hard, but she let her son go. She knew he would be happy. In the end, Circe threatened her father Helios to negotiate her exile. Now with all of this done, Everyone was terrified of Circe, even Helios. He couldn't even dare say no. Why? All of her witchcraft? I mean, crazy. She's that good yeah. now? I mean, Circe was free, and she left the island with Telemachus. Penelope stayed behind to take over the role of Witch of Aiea. Together, Circe and Telemachus sailed to Scylla, where they used the potion from the Trigon Spear to turn Scylla into stone. She would never eat another mortal again. They sailed back to where Circe had turned Glaucus into a god. They picked some flowers. This is the one that turns people into their true selves. She dropped the sap into her mouth, and she transformed into a mortal. She always wanted to be a mortal. No! And she married Telemachus, which like hindsight, wait, 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 if you wait, think she, about it... She married... Telemachus. So that's really weird the because... The stepson? Yeah. So it's weird because she f***ed Hermes, who is the grandfather of Odysseus. Yeah. Then she had Odysseus' son, but now yeah. she's marrying Odysseus' other son. But you know what I mean? It's a small world. They have to recycle the characters. Wow. And they had a few daughters. They visited Telegonus, where he was, I don't know. Killing people. Killing people, but like not in the way Odysseus was, but just like being a good leader, I guess. Uh-huh. And um, they sailed to the world together. They visited Egypt, where Deadless had always wanted to go. And they grew old together. Circe has been said to have kept her witch powers, even as a mortal. And over time, they actually didn't fade. They only grew stronger. So Circe's no longer with us? No. Wow. And that is the story of Circe. Wow. Amazing. Please go read this book. Please go listen to this book. I know it's hard to like read a book these days. I, that's why I love Audible. I'm still doing my two audiobook a week thing. And just being able to listen to it when you're multitasking is amazing. Like I know you, you can find time in your commute. Maybe you're washing the dishes. Please listen to Circe. Oh. And I hope you guys enjoyed today's video. Make sure to check out Audible and Helix Sleep linked in the description. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.